You are Locked On Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy midweek edition of the Locked On Utes podcast. For today's episode, we are joined by the wonderful Sammy Mora. Sammy is here to discuss watching the Pac-12 championship game and her early thoughts on the Rose Bowl. We'll also talk about the All-Pac-12 awards handed out, which ones surprised us, which ones didn't, who may have been a snub and who might not have. And lastly, we'll wrap things up with more recruiting news as recruiting continues to heat up here as the early signing day period is just around the corner. There is so much Utah news, notes, coverage going on right now. We can hardly keep up. So without further ado... Here is today's episode with the wonderful Sammy Mora. This is the Locked on Utes podcast for December 8th, 2021. friends and family welcome into another episode of the podcast that we like to call locked on utes because we are locked on the university of utah athletics department and everything that they do the only daily utah athletics podcast out there thank you as always for making us your first listen every day we are free and available on every platform and if it's a wednesday you know what that might mean it is Wednesday, my dudes. And that muffled sound is the introduction of the Samsational Sammy Mora. Sammy, hello. Welcome hello. to welcome to your podcast episode. How are you, Brian? <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. Uh, I am well. Uh, you've had to remind me multiple times to not only like focus, but also what day it is and everything like that. So I'm even better that you're here to make sure that that happens. That being said, yeah, thank you for the no, Dalton Kincaid. The, 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 yeah, the Dalton Kincaid thumbs Dalton up. Kincaid, thumbs up. <laughs> uh, congratulations to him for, I don't know if he planned on making that happen, but, uh, he, he I really market. enjoy it. I love it. Yeah. Print the shirts. It's a little bit of a sad start to the podcast because we have to talk about something very good, but it's sad because we could not celebrate it with Sammy when when we were all there in person. However, you look pretty enthusiastic, which makes me think that you're likely going to be able to go to the Rose Bowl despite missing the Pac-12 championship. Tell me, for one, how do you feel about going to the Rose Bowl? I'm very excited Um, from both like a Utah football standpoint and then like a personal standpoint. I'm excited because I have a bucket list of stadiums that I want to go to and the Rose Bowl is on that list. So um, for those of you who don't know, I was a sports editor at the Daily Utah Chronicle while I was in school up at the U and the 20. So I was a sports editor 20 like the 2020 school year, 2021, which was not ideal um, to say the least because I had a shortened COVID football season. But if it would have been a normal season, I would have been able to go to the Rose Bowl then. But I think a like Rose Bowl stadium that has like probably like 14,000 people for a UCLA game 
is going to pale in comparison to like the Rose Bowl game between Utah and Ohio State. So I'm excited to check that off of my stadium bucket list, but I'm also excited to watch Utah play Ohio State for many, many, many reasons. I think this is a matchup that a lot of people have been wanting for a long time. Plus, my family, not, yeah, my family has like writing interest in it. One of my dad's really close friends grew up a, an Ohio State fan, and there's been a lot of smack talk going on since the bowl announcement was made. Brian, you're muted again. Again, welcome Sammy Moore to the podcast. <laughs> she is officially now uh, in charge of everything, including making sure that my mic is unmuted. Uh, have there been any bets made yet over this game? No. So what we usually do with this family friend is we do like a bowl prediction thing. So like I make like a spreadsheet and I have, we do pick and whoever wins the most games wins the pot, but he has um, not returned my father's texts <laughs> since the bowl announcement happened, because I think he said something along the lines of like, y'all scare me. Oh, <laughs> so okay. I was like, okay. Um, so I don't know if there's going to be bets wagered or not. I'm hoping there is because I would put my money on the Utes, not just because of like writing interests, but, but because I actually think given we'll have to wait to see who's going to opt out for Ohio state, because I'm expecting there to be some opt outs mm-hmm. because this is considered a letdown game for them, which is like wild to think that like the Rose bowl is like a letdown game. Cause Utah fans are like chomping at the bits right now. They're like the Rose bowl. Whoa. Which I am the same way, but I just wish that like, that I want whatever Ohio State's been having for the last like few years that they're like, oh, just the Rose Bowl. <laughs> like, what is that? Uh, it's a symptom of success is what it is. And it's True. another indicator that they need to expand the college football playoff. And I know a lot of people say just bump it up to 12 teams. If anybody had ever read the book Death to the BCS, you'd understand that it actually needs to be 16 teams. I digress. We have other things that we need to talk about because you and I both watched the game on Friday night. And and while that is the catalyst that led to our discussion about the Rose Bowl, I want to revisit that a little bit and get your thoughts because I watched the game at the stadium and I think that was very influential. It was emotional. Uh, As I was sitting there kind of writing my uh, my add-in, uh, my my supplementary piece, because no, nobody can can cover what Steve Bartle covers there at the stadium. Uh, I I was emotional, and I think the reason I was emotional was was a multitude of reasons. Part of it just how long I've been uh, following this program. Some of it was just thinking about what had happened this year, and some of it was just um, you know my own personal stuff. Uh, just having. You know, spend so much time covering this team. Mm-hmm. Um, what was it like watching it at home and seeing it on TV? So I had, I was, I cried, I think about three times from when the game kicked off until I came upstairs after, because we have like a man cave. We watch all of our games in. It's like a giant TV. It's the whole shebang. But I, I cried about three times, um, a, a, mainly towards the end of the game, just because you saw the culmination of all of the the hard work that this team has put in, all the adversity that they're faced, not only this year, but years past. You know, they've been to this game two times before and they just weren't able to get the job done. But this time they were able to get the job done. And I, I'm just, I'm immensely proud of this team. I think that they have the chance and the possibility to go down as the greatest team in Utah football history. I know that's a hot take, 
but given the the cards they were dealt from December of 2020, yeah, December 2020 to now, it's amazing what they what they've done because they very much well they very well could have said like packed it up and been like okay we're done like we're not we're not playing anymore or if we are playing we're not putting all of our heart into it but they they gave it all um and it was i think it was i think it was amazing to have holly Rowe there being the utah alum that she is and giving that trophy to Kyle and to the team. I thought it was amazing. I love Holly. Holly's one of my like favorite female journalists ever. Um, but watching it on TV is vastly different than being at a game. And I think everyone can agree on that. There's pros, which is you get to see different camera angles that you don't get to see when you're in the stadium usually. But the con is sometimes you have to listen to commentators and that is annoying. It, it I, is. And, uh, Sorry, uh, I just like the, you make a good point with the angles, right? Because we are sitting up at the press box, which you've done on multiple occasions, and you do get the replays on the TV, but you don't always get the commentary, so you don't always know what's going on. And to be honest, the, the feed was going in and out at Allegiant Stadium up in the press box. But, like, for example, the Devin Lloyd play, like, I saw that happening the whole way. Like, mm-hmm. I was perfect angle, watched him drop, and I was like, oh my gosh, he's going to pick it and take it back for six. And then he did. Um, that play, like, do you remember it at all? And, and what did you see when you were watching? Because I think this is kind of the fun part about it. See, I was more watching the guys coming off the edge. Okay. Um, I was more watching off the edge because they had been getting pressure on Brown. And I wanted to see, because we all knew that he wasn't 100%, that Anthony Brown sure. wasn't. I was watching the guys off the edge. Mika, I was watching mainly Mika because Mika was like in that backfield for a good majority of the game. Um, yeah, he was living back there. He he, uh, he built a nice house, uh, patio. There's a pergola. Shout out to Josh Furlong, a fellow <laughs> pergola lover. Uh, maybe even a Miranda. Veran- yeah. Veranda, not Miranda. Maybe he maybe has a Maybe a gazebo. Yeah, a gazebo would be great. Some planter boxes. Just a really nice spread in the yeah. Oregon backfield. Uh, I thought the commentating was interesting. Uh, it almost <laughs> felt like Fowler and Herb Street didn't really want to be there. And I really felt, and somebody pointed this out to me, that Kirk Herbstreet fell, sounded like he was mad at Oregon for not playing mm-hmm. so well. And See, you could tell that. Yeah. And, and that's I understandable. Texted, I texted Cole Bagley this during the third quarter, and I was like, Herbstreet and Fowler aren't even talking about the game at this point. They were talking about something completely unrelated to the game. And I was like, that should tell you where the game was at. And I know that commentators aren't supposed to have writing interests, but I have a feeling deep down that they wanted both of they both wanted Oregon to smash Utah mm. so that they could be like, oh, it wasn't a fluke. It was a fluke that Utah beat them by 31 points the first time. Um, but also every time that Chris that Fowler calls one of our games, he always says Mike Tafua. <laughs> always. And it's just like my I wasn't paying attention. And my dad's like, oh, yeah, Mike Tafua. I love yeah. him. And I'm like, that's a tricky a part. Yeah, from, yeah, you have a pronunciation it, guide. Right there. You should have a pronunciation guide. And, and I think this is also, as John Canzano wrote about in the Oregonian, this is part of ESPN's thing. Like they're starting to, to reel back the amount of money that they're spending on these broadcasts. And that impacts things like having spotters and having uh, an inbox producer that can help them correct those things. And, and it is frustrating on the fan side of it. There, there's no excuse for it either. Uh, yeah. but there are reasons that it's happening that I think are 
interesting. I, I the 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 part about wanting Oregon to win, I think, is a fascinating topic because there were 4.2 million people that tuned into this game. And part of it is that it's on a Friday night. So that helps a lot. You're in the prime time. I think the other part of it is that there were a lot of people that wanted to tune in and see if Oregon could rectify their mistake, because that would have triggered a massive chain of events. I think in terms of, okay, so now where do you slot Oregon and, and how does this shape up for teams with one loss? How does this affect Ohio state now? And, and there was a lot more conversation with that. I think the conversation with Utah winning shifted to, Nobody wants to play Utah, and, and I want to point out that Kirk Herbstreet, while he can't offend people during the game, he was very profusely um, praising Utah during the uh, playoff selection show that they're they're the team that should be held up as the example of why the, the playoff needs to expand because mm-hmm. nobody wants to play Utah right now. So it, it can go either way, right? And And sometimes you just don't know – what's going on with the director or the producer in the, in the, in the truck. Um, that being said, did you like, could you feel through the TV that Oregon was kind of given up there at the end of the second quarter? Yeah, you could not only could you see it, like, I think the biggest indicator was it of it was Anthony Brown's body language. Like every time he came onto the field, he looked like, Oh God, like I got to do this again. And I don't think that's how you want to see your quarterback on the field. Even if you're down 75 to zero, like your quarterback should still be somewhat positive. And I think that's what Utah has that Oregon didn't um, like Cam. Like I, I, I go back to that San Diego state game and all the players have talked about this. When Cam came into the game, he immediately came in and he was like, Hey, okay, let's go we're going to hype this up. We're going to get this going. Like, you could see that because they were down. They were down, and Cam was able to rally the troops and get them two touchdowns and force them get them into overtime. So Anthony Brown obviously didn't have that because he, as the game went on, became less and less interested. He made very, very ill-timed passes and made not smart decisions. And Utah was all gas, no breaks, which I know has been the motto for a while now, but they – proved once again why it is all gas, no breaks with Utah football right now because there was no letting up. They were There was no way they were going to let Oregon have the chance to come back and win this. And I, they, sometimes they shot themselves in the foot, I will say. Utah had a couple of bad drives that I was like kind of like, okay. I, I would it, agree. It, it yeah, it, it, it was not their best game by far. I think <laughs> if you compare this game to the game previous in Salt Lake City – uh, the one in Salt Lake was a much better, much better played, much better executed mm-hmm. game. I also thought the effort from the Ducks in that game was uh, slightly better, uh, at least for parts of it. But this was a Ducks team that was clearly defeated after the first drive. And there were some people in the press box that were saying, like, they looked like they were beat when they ran onto the field and heard all the Utah fans there. And and I'm sure there's some psychological aspect to going into Las Vegas, which is supposed to be a neutral field and having that reaction of, Oh, great. Like, here we go again. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do think that you make a really good point with this was a team that was not going to be denied because you're right. Uh, it was really evident when you were down on the field, watching the players afterwards. And it was like, a lot of them didn't know what to do. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I, I'd had a chance to talk to a couple of them and, and, and various staffers, 
and everybody was just speechless. And it was, they had worked so, so hard and, and been so focused and so dedicated to this goal and, and invested with their belief that I think it was the first time that they ever had a thought of like, if we really do win this thing, what's the next step? And that's, that's a really, I think, complimentary thing to this team and their dedication to the goal that they set. And I think it also shows that like, as someone, it, it just, I think from my perspective, it's just like a, like a, holy crap, we actually did that kind of thing. Because like, if you would have told, like this team started out one and two, if anyone would have said, oh yeah, Utah starts the season one and two and is going to finish the game, finish the season winning the Pac-12 championship and going to the Rose Bowl to play Ohio State. I think a lot of Utah fans would have said you're crazy after that San Diego State game. Yeah, I would have been one of them. And, and I, you know, somebody said, hey, they can still win the Pac-12. And I said, yeah, just not likely. And it really wasn't. Uh, at mm-hmm. that point in time, this was not the same football team. That was a team that was DFL in a lot of conference rankings. And as we saw the other day, they now finished at the top. Uh, I think that's a good parallel to talk about our next segment uh, because there is a lot of news going on. And, and you know, Sammy and I, uh, we never talk, you know, too much, do we? Yeah, it's not like I, I text you weird things on Sunday nights, but <laughs> you weird stop. <laughs> in our, our language is different than like weird, right? Like we're yeah. talking about naming different bowls after food products. and, and Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Like the burrito bowl or I the bread bowl. I was, was going to say, I won't reveal too much of what's in the sauce, but we're talking about burritos and bread bowls. So uh, it, it's obviously food weird related, but... um. Now, I want to talk to uh, talk to you about another bowl game that I would like to see, and that's the Prize Picks Daily Fantasy Bowl. And the reason I'd like to see that is, can you imagine if you got to pick uh, the players that played in every single game? Like, do you I... have do you have two to five youths that you'd want to pick to play in this Rose Bowl game? So obviously, you're going Devin Lloyd. Yeah. Um. Uh, I don't know. I think on the offense, you got to go Tavion mm. and Cam. Hmm. So that's three. I'm going to throw Dalton Kincaid in there for me. That's a good one. I also think um, Van. I would like to see Van's really, Van's kind of. Sorry, I don't have the Van (laughs) horn ready. We talked about it beforehand. I'll get that. Um, I think Van would be really good because Van's really emerged in the last couple of games. And then I want to close it out with Mika. I think. Honestly, you know, I would if if this was like a fantasy pick where you could pick your own college team, like I'm taking majority of the Utah players, honestly, in any given situation. Um, you know, sometimes like I might switch out a Utah corner for Sauce Gardner um, from Cincinnati just because he is very, very, very good at the football. He's got the sauce. <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> yes, and, and and this is the fun part about prize picks, right? Is we could go through this all day, every day, and pick various players. You could build a team out of entirely the all-name team. And the best part about it is you can get silly with prize picks and you can still win because it's just all about choosing those over-unders. It's you're playing numbers. So whatever your strategy is, it can technically work. The other part that's really cool about prize picks, if you put in $100, they or uh, anything that you deposit up to $100, I should say, they will... Uh, add to that 100%. So if you put in 50, Sammy, how much do you get? 50. Yes. 
Look at that. We did math together. That's amazing. Math on the air. They say never do math on the air, but look at us. We did it. And we did it. <laughs> the easiest part about it is you don't even have to do the math. They'll do it automatically on the site. Just use the promo code locked on to get a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Again, that is the promo code locked on. We talked about it. Two to five players. Go download the app. It's in the Apple Store. It's on the Google Play Store. It is an award winner. You can make your entries in 60 seconds or less. Sammy and I already laid out the plan for you, so it's super easy. PrizePix safe, offers fast withdrawals, so don't hesitate. Check out prizepix.com. Use the promo code locked on to or go to your app store and download the app today. PrizePix is daily fantasy made easy. Zooming back here on the Locked On Utes podcast, and it was a busy news day on Tuesday. A lot of things happening in Ute land, the least of which is the buzz surrounding the Rose Bowl. It still continues to uh, bug those who are not of the Ute fandom, but also uh, Utah fans are relentless right now in in tweeting about roses and talking about roses. And Valentine's Day has to be jealous of it. Uh, I want to thank also everybody. Brandon Rose, our yeah. commit. Yeah, a ro- every rose has its uh, thorn. Uh, that's I feel know. like no, nah, I feel like didn't I tried. Um, I mean, I tried to make it like a, a music joke on Twitter after the game, and it kind of kind of face planted. Whatever happened on Friday night robbed me of any like good creativity, but uh, I think every so the thorn for BYU fans is the actual rose that Utah is going to. Uh, but there was a good reason that Utah made it to the Rose Bowl, and that is the fact that they had a avalanche of players uh, on the All Pac-12 team, including a couple key awards. That being said. Uh, Let's go. I, most people I'm assuming are listening right now already know of all the awards and accolades that were handed out by the conference. Sammy, was there one that stood out the most to you? Junior Tafuna. Mm, okay. That one stood out to me. Freshman defensive player of the year. Yes. Good, good choice. Uh, um, why? So it was weird. It's weird how the Pac-12 was categorizing freshmen this year because Jaden Delora won Pac-12 freshman, off offensive freshman of the year, but he played last year. So I, with that logic and mindset, when I saw that, I saw that one first. I was like, oh, so like Van could get it or like Clark could get it or like someone of that nature, if we're going by that logic. But when I saw it was junior, I said, that's someone I didn't consider. Yeah. And to, to note, so when they talked to the media about choosing the media poll and everything like that, they asked the media to separate COVID freshmen, meaning freshmen that played during a COVID year but got more than four games, and redshirt freshmen. So that kind of leads to Delora winning the award, right? He only played in four games in, in 2020, so technically he gets a redshirt year if it, if it ever counted. Um but, it, yeah, it, that was one that you wouldn't expect, especially going into the years. He wasn't even starting. No. Yeah, he, he filled it. He, he took over the spot of Yanni Moala when he went down. And just looking in the games that he's played so far this year, Junior has 32 total tackles, 21 of which are solo, four and a half sacks, four and a half sacks, one fumble return and one – or, yeah, fumble recovery and one pass defended. 
Yeah, and that's absurd to have four and a half sacks from the interior tackle position. But also, it's one of the reasons why he's one of our personal favorites, both to talk to and watch play. Uh, I can't remember if it was you or Cole that talked to him when he mentioned that playing football was like Disneyland. Oh, oh, he didn't say that to me. He didn't say that to me. I talked yeah, to him, cool. and yeah. it, it was he was a great he was a great interview. I had great a great interview. time talk great time talking to him. But that probably was Cole. Um. The one for me that stood out the most was Devin Lloyd winning Defensive Player of the Year. Not because I didn't think he didn't deserve it. He clearly deserved it. Oh, yeah. I just didn't think everybody well, everybody else was going to vote for him because I think and, – and maybe it helps that it was coaches and staffers and things like that that voted on this one. Uh, Devin Lloyd was clearly the best player in the, in the Pac-12 this year. And, you know, we're getting to the territory now where it's, yeah, Kayvon Thibodeau is an incredible athlete and he can do some incredible things. But in the long term, there's a – a slim possibility that maybe Devin Lloyd has the better overall career or could have the better impact. I think his growth throughout the season was absurdly good. And he mm-hmm. continued to just be an absolute force on the defensive side of the football with a pick six in, in the most important game of the season. Um, I was just, I was just, was it surprising to you that, that he won the award? Yes. And no, like, I think I like like you said like I kind I ex- I expected him to win, but considering how like other outlets still even though De- Devin has the, like the resume we're making other players the defensive player of the year for the Pac-12, it I I was like hoping that the Pac-12 didn't Pac-12 this year and give yeah. it to the wrong guy and they didn't they gave it to the right guy Devin deserved it because even if you look at his stat line through his career at Utah mainly the last three seasons. So in 2019, he had 91 total tackles and he had six and a half sacks and he only had one interception and it was, it was a touchdown. And then last year in the COVID season, 48 tackles, two sacks this year, 107 tackles, seven sacks, a forced fumble, a fumble recovery, four interceptions and two touchdowns. I'm those numbers, those numbers are, those, yeah, wild. Yeah, um, without a doubt. Um, I just, uh, I love Devin. He's going to be really, really missed next year. And I think that's almost underrating it in a sense, because I think as, as strong as his play was on the field, watching his evolution as a leader and his mm-hmm. development as a leader off the field and seeing how powerfully he speaks in press conferences. It was kind of fun. So a little behind the scenes uh, action, Steve Bartle and I weird, he and I being together uh, at a game <laughs> that we're both working. Uh, we would never hang out, whatever. No, <laughs> not, not going to happen. Um, we were late walking to the Oregon press conference. We just didn't think it was that important for us to be there. And so we kind of got stuck in the back, and it was funny because Devin Lloyd and Cam Rising walked up to the press conference uh, before the Oregon players were done, and you could hear them, like, dapping and high-fiving in the hall in the actual press conference. And I just remember them both looking at me like, oh, no, they heard us. I was like, you're fine, like, like just kind of waving, like, now you're good, because uh, my phone had gone off, <laughs> like, just a few minutes earlier, so it was, you know we're just disturbing the piece all, all over the place. But it was funny because he, it was one of those rare moments where he wasn't on guard. Right. Mm-hmm. And you could see why guys love him because he's fun. He's energetic. He loves his teammates, 
but also he knows how to hold them accountable. And I think that's a very, very rare skill uh, for him. Uh, some of the other awards, I think it's really important to note that Kyle Whittingham was named the coach of the year and, and absolutely 100% deserved. Uh, Yogi Roth is driving the bus right now for him to be the national coach of the year. I think it's a slam dunk. It's just for him just to get the team through the season. Mm-hmm. after these two tragic losses, uh, I think that alone could have been enough. Um, but to go through it, to have his guys fight like they did, to play the way they did, the impact of the decision of this team to play like they did throughout the season, to elevate their play and their dedication and everything, will have lasting impacts on this program forever in terms of the where the bar is set, what the expectation is, how these freshmen all play going forward, this is now what they know. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be a massive impact on this team, this program, new recruits that are coming in, and everybody else. And the guys that buy in are going to have the same kind of success. The guys who don't will not. Um, I think it's uh, one of his best jobs ever and, and well-deserving of the award. Uh, some of the other notables, Cam Rising, first-team offense, Tavion Thomas, First-team offense, uh, 15 youths total. Um, Nick Ford, Mike Tafua, <laughs> Devin Lloyd, uh, obviously, and Britton Covey. Any first-teamers that were a surprise to see left off of that or that made the team, for that matter? I personally thought we would see a Utah tight end in the first team. Um, but, you know, Brant got in second team <clears throat> and Dalton got honorable mention. I, I expected to see a tight end up in there, but, you know, you can't have a, a all-conference team that's all Utah. You got to kind of share the love a little bit. But And the other problem, too, is that, like, it was really hard to pick one tight end to be better of, the, uh, of that entire group. And Greg Dulcich, who did win, had 42 receptions for 725 yards and five touchdowns. Uh, he averaged 60 yards a game and about four catches. Um he was the highest rated tight end in terms of yards per game. Dalton Kincaid had seven touchdown catches. Brand Keithy had six, uh, both ahead of him. Just uh, Keithy actually had more receptions as well, just less yards. Same with Kincaid. And, and so I think that's where Dulcich gets the edge. But, I, you know, there's a, a very valid argument to make that either Keithy or Kincaid could have been ahead of him. I also think I Bam, I think Bam should have been first team. Um, just from seeing how he was prior seasons to now, um, he's made himself some money in the NFL. I think. I think he's 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 gonna he's gonna get drafted. I I, yeah. I hope and I assume he's gonna yeah. get drafted. But again, it's hard to pick an offensive line when you have so many good ones in the conference because you 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 honestly do. Um, uh, like I know Oregon State, one of one week their offensive line, one offensive line of the country, like like in Joe the Moore country, mm-hmm. yeah. So it's like you have you have teams that have good offensive line. So it's just a matter of like you can't make them all first team. And I think you know, looking at the list, you you have Keithy, you have Bam, you have Braden, you have Clark, um, you have Lumea, you have you have Nephi, Vonte, and Cole Bishop. It's a good. It's a very solid list. It is around the around the like for the entire team. It is 15 total players made the all pack 12, whether it's first, second or honorable mention. I think also worth noting on the offensive line that they do open up 
six positions for that. Uh, so it's not dependent upon like the actual position you played. And that um, could have helped and or hurt Bam, depending on, because I think Abe Lucas is, is one of the best tackles in the country. He'll be a top uh, first-round pick. But also Sean Ryan is an excellent left tackle. Uh, Jackson Kirkland from Washington, another really talented left tackle. So it, it is kind of hard to – he he was such a key component of this team that on one hand you have to argue that, that his importance – is is massive, but also in the same factor, there are a lot of really, really technically good, talented offensive linemen that were ahead of him. Uh, so it's it's a tricky one there. Uh, any of any other surprises? Any um, uh, f- anybody that maybe got forgotten that you think should have been on there? That's the thing. Is like I I get like ju- like what, where's Junior? If Junior's going to win Defensive Rookie of the Year, like where is he? on the all-conference team. I get, And again, I get you only have a certain amount of slots you have to fill and stuff like that, but where is he at? Yeah. Um, I know people were pissed off that I think it was like DTR didn't make it or something. Mm-hmm. So I can't remember who the second team quarterback was or the on, like DTR didn't make it and people were pissed off and it was just a big mess. And I was like, DTR was the second team quarterback. I'm sure. Yeah. Maybe people thought he should have been the first and, or possibly even Jaden Delora. I'm not sure about that one. Um, I'm not sure either. I, the only thing I know for sure is is Cam is the best. He is. Um, and, and his team was the best too. And, and at the end of the day, that's really the stat that matters the most. Mm -hmm. One note on the second team defense, there were two slots that are open on the website for defensive linemen. So I wonder if maybe that was just one of those things where it got tied or, uh, they just didn't feel comfortable bumping him up there. But I think you make a really good point. If you're going to be the freshman defensive player of the year, you should probably be on the list. But um, honorable mention, uh, interesting that Vontae Davis made honorable mention. The one that really kind of stood out to me was Cole Bishop. Oh, yeah. And Jaden Delora, who was the freshman offensive player, he was an honorable mention. So, uh, mm. I hope there wasn't a mistake made there, but we'll have to wait and see. I I think seeing Cole on there also proves how much of an impact he's had in the last couple of games that he's seen a good amount of time. Kid flies all over the field, and I love watching him. And I think he's really going to be one of the best safeties to come through Utah. Um, The thought of him and Nate Ritchie in a year or two – makes me vastly excited for the, the secondary because, you know, you have those years where people are like, oh, my God, the secondary is not going to be good because we lost X, Y, and Z. And I thought, I think that was a big concern, especially last year in the COVID season because you did lose um, Jalen Johnson and Julian Blackman and um, Javelin Gidry to the NFL. But these young kids have really stepped it up, especially the corners, because you've played Clark, you played Fabian before he got hurt. And then you played um, Zamaya before he got hurt. And then um, who am I forgetting? There's the, who I'm blanking. JT Broughton, who yeah, JT. we've all just completely <laughs> forgot existed this season, <laughs> even though he was the best cornerback on the team. Hey, we have we always Owen have Mataiele playing in the nickel position. I, I think also deserves some love there, right? Yeah. Um. It's it's a very impressive list. Utah got more uh, All Pac-12 nominees than any other school. 
deservedly so. And, yeah. and I think it's a credit to the staff, first and foremost, uh, a credit to the players, actually, first and foremost. Uh, we actually haven't read the entire list yet, so I need to do that. Uh, first team was uh, obviously uh, uh, Cam Rising, Tavion Thomas, Nick Ford, Mika Tafua, Devin Lloyd, Britton Covey. Second team, uh, Brant Keithy. Clark Phillips, Braden Daniels, Bam Olaseni, uh honorable mention, Cole Bishop, Vontae Davis, Nephi Sewell, Dalton Kincaid, and Satawa Laumea. So that means that Utah will now have uh, – has four all-conference offensive linemen uh, and, and likely two or uh, – two returning um, maybe. Uh, we'll see. Um, Brayden Daniels may have made himself some money on Friday night as well with how he played against Kayvon Thibodeau. Um, it was a great year for Utah football, and I think the great part about it is is we're starting to see this carry over into something else, which is the lifeblood of the website that we both write for. Uh, that is recruiting. Before we talk about recruiting, Sammy, if you are uh, if you were looking for a place to wager on how good. Utah's recruiting class was going to be. Do you have do you have a favorite place that you might go look for that kind of a bet? Um, uh, probably bet online. I think you'd probably be right <laughs> because bet online has you covered for more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football season marches to the playoffs and the bowl season. And bowl season is fun betting for sure because bowl season is chaos. What would you set the line? At the burrito bowl for Sammy. Ooh, it depends on who's playing in the burrito bowl. Does it? Yeah. Uh, my line would be sauce oh. to no sauce. Even that's ours. a good or or guac or extra guac. Ooh, that's a good one. I'm gonna go three to two odds for extra guac on that one. But the good news is that if if the burrito bowl ever does come into existence, sponsored by uh, Sammy and myself. You'll be able to go place bets there at Bet Online. It's your number one spot for all the sports action this season. You can go to their new updated desktop or mobile website and sign up today. And with the promo code locked on, you'll receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Basketball, football, NHL, boxing, UFC, all the way up to your favorite Vegas casino games. So if, like Sammy, you missed the game and missed Vegas, you can go back and and. Gamble your little heart away there. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. Usually, when we hit the midway point on the Locked On Youth podcast, we like to take a breath, relax a little bit, and refuel. The only way to do that here on the Locked On Podcast Network is with a built bar. If you haven't tried one by now, I don't know what you're waiting on. Maybe a personal invitation from me. Maybe we need to go sit on a bench somewhere, try one together, talk it out. Explain to you why it's so good to eat a built bar, not just the flavors. There's nine of them, nine different flavors, all sorts of varieties, anything from coconut almond to mint brownie to cherry barcia. There's also new flavors all the time. There's the puff bars that I so enjoy, like eating a chocolate coated marshmallow. But the real thing is with a built bar, you're getting nutritious whey protein in that under 140 calories for most bars, up to 17 grams of protein, five grams of sugar or less. Real chocolate in every bite. There are so many different flavors that come out all the time. Currently, vanilla cream on the website. Uh, there's a couple different puffs varieties on there. You can go to built.com every single week, and they have new flavors all the time. Protein balls, uh, fruity cereal, the secret flavor, 
Um, kind of tastes a little bit like a Fruit Loop. So go to Built.com, use the promo code LOCK15. You'll get 15% off your purchase on anything on the site. Again, that's LOCKED15 to get 15% off your order. Use that promo code at Built.com. It's the best promo code on the internet, bar none. And go get yourself some of the best tasting protein bars on the planet at Built.com. The last stop on the Locked On Utes Adventure Tour with the Samsational Sammy Mora. <laughs> your air horn is much better than mine. Uh, thank you to everyone for making us your first listen every single day. We are free and available on all platforms, as is uh, uh, Sammy Mora, but just on Wednesdays. Be, uh, for for the time being, we'll we'll see, because um, uh, heaven knows that uh, I can use as much help as possible. Uh, we actually just shared the Google Calendar so that Sammy can keep me on task with everything here. Uh, things are just gonna get better uh, for everybody that's listening. But also, uh, there's some good news for Utah fans in terms of recruiting. A big commitment from Jocelyn Malaska. And no, I, it's not Jocelyn, which I thought it was. It is Jocelyn um, from Texas, a flip commitment. And I think flip is going to be the word of the season for the University of Utah when it comes to recruiting. Uh, Malaka is from Bethany, Oklahoma, a six foot one, 170 pound cornerback. He had offers from uh, obviously Utah was a committed prospect at Texas Tech, had offers from Kansas, SMU, Utah State, UTSA, Vanderbilt. And I want to say one thing. If you have an offer from Vanderbilt, it, it's ind indicative of, of two things. One, uh, Barton Simmons, who used to run all – was the head of, of recruiting for 24-7. He's now the director of recruiting for Vanderbilt, so he knows how to scout talent. The other thing, too, it means that you're a good kid and you get good grades. Uh, Barton is a Yale graduate, so he doesn't suffer for that kind of stuff at all. Great pickup for the University of Utah. Uh, I'm we're in, in a role reversal, we're being very equitable here on the podcast these days. Uh, I want to give you the backstory. So he's a Haitian refugee uh, that was adopted and, and lives in Oklahoma fascinating kid has a really unique backstory uh, where he's gone there to live. I believe it was a Christian uh, orphanage that he was adopted from. Um, but he is just really excelled uh, since, since that uh, I believe it was 11 when he was adopted. If I'm uh, remembering everything correctly, uh, I should probably write this stuff down rather than just trying to remember it. Assuming, especially cons considering that, uh, um, yeah, like I can't even remember what day it is. But Sammy, when we divided and conquered this, went and watched the film. So she's gonna give you the breakdown of what he looks like. On and film. I have and I have the notes. <laughs> so the stuff you didn't write down, I did. Student has become the master. Uh far from it, my good sir. Um, but just a couple of things that I noticed from just watching his highlight tape that he posted. Um a four five two forty, which uh, I'm not I'm not I'm not a scientist or a, like a mathematician or anything, but I'm pretty sure that's kind of fast to have a five two forty. Um, he he did. He had he was on punt returns for a couple of series in his film and he was pretty elusive. Like he was 
he was juking and driving and getting breaking tackles and making defenders pay. He had a couple that he ran back for touchdowns um, on the defensive side of things. He made some very, very, very strong open field tackles um, hits that I think Utah fans would enjoy. Um, I'm not talking like, like rock his world type of hits, but they were, they were solid tackles. He wrapped up well. Um, and I think he has a lot of potential, you know, I think he's going to take, it's going to take him some time to develop into the system. He is only six one. And I think you said 200 and something pounds, 170, 170. Yeah. So he's going to need some time. He's going to need to bulk up. Um, especially considering that he'll be going up against some pack, some elite pack 12 receivers. Um, I think Shaw's going to have some fun with this kid. Like he has the makings of a pretty, like a solid corner for Utah. I don't, um, I don't, I want to know what his ceiling would be just because of his size. Um, Utah has been tending to go for a little bit longer of, of corners in the last little round of things with the exception of like Clark Phillips, who as Brian referred to him last week as a muscle hamster. Um, Boy, that blew up, didn't it? <laughs> yeah, it did. Um, but I think I, I I liked his film. I liked what I saw, and I think he has some potential. And I think it was a good a good get for Utah. It is a good get, and I think uh, this is another. This cycle, more than any other, is starting to unearth a lot of really late blooming prospects, and it's understandable because um, that COVID has just really put a hurt on a lot of the recruiting stuff and being able to see kids in person. Uh, you mentioned um, he does. He, He's a unique kid because he does have a 4 5 40, um, 100 meter dash at 10 9. So that's pretty fast as well. Not quite uh, JT Broughton fast, but it's a solid number uh, for him. And he does check all the boxes of being a physical, tough, striking corner. The other thing, too, that, that fascinates me about him is he's a soccer player and uh, was part of the 2021 All City Boys soccer team. Uh, for Oklahoma. So that uh, footwork, or excuse me, I should say he was an honorable mention on the team. Um, so if he's running track, he's doing soccer, he's playing football, he is a, an exquisite athlete in a lot of respects. And I think, you know, a very interesting background for him. Um, still plays soccer, but transitioned over to football. Uh, and uh, just a lot of fun things from this one, but one that nobody really knew was happening until just you know, basically today when he announced his flip uh, from Texas Tech, it's going to be that kind of a recruiting cycle. And you and I both have the same feeling that recruiting is going to be crazy. I refer to it as emotional whiplash, but like the good coin of emotional whiplash because you just don't know where it's going to be coming from. Um, it's going to be hitting you from all sides. And, and if I, it hits like Logan Kendall, it's going to hit like a thick brick. Get out. Get out. That's it, everybody. We're done. No, but <laughs> wrap, it, wrap it up. Close it up shop for the night after that one. <laughs> but this is the biggest reason is is because you're going to want to go to Ute Zone. You're going to want to sign up. You can get an annual membership for 50% off. Uh, I think the total on that is like 50 bucks for the year. It's well worth it to sign up for that. Uh, just go subscribe because they're talking about all this. They're tracking all the in-home visits. You would get to see a picture of Logan Kendall, who is a graduate transfer from Idaho. And the reason that we call him a thick brick is because this boy's got some thighs and he's got a trunk and he has got some mass. Um, I just, 
you know, this is a fun season, and signing day comes up on Wednesday of uh, next week, which Sammy reminded me of, thankfully. Um, I got you. I was not on top of that, uh, even though it should be. I, I know that early signing period is in December, but it's just it's mayhem right now, and you're just going to see a lot more movement in the next week or so. So go sign up now, like, and you're going to get hooked on everything at Youth Zone. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be crazy. Sammy? Any predictions on recruiting? Anything? Any final words on it? Um, I, I see, and like I'm really, I'm usually really dialed in for recruiting, and I am this season as well. I just most of your recruits have already like committed, though, right? Yes, yeah. So it's at this point, it's like uh, for those of you who do subscribe to you, on, you know, we have the 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 big board that they that Steve Barlow and Dan Sorensen work on. Um. Do you contribute to that, Brian? Are you part of the big board crew? I'm not. No, okay. I, I'm not capable of organizing that stuff. I can't even keep dates straight. Uh, my basic job is to text Steve things that I hear and know, and then let the uh, professionals handle it. So the and like if you look at Utah's big board, a lot of the kids that Utah was going after have either committed to Utah or committed to other programs. I think I'm more excited to see the any if anyone if any we have any i'm going to refer to it as a clark phillips moment which is a a a flip a big time flip from one big program to utah um there's been some names that have been thrown around um on who we could that could be flipped and i just i i'm i just have a feeling in my gut that there's going to be um a good form of chaos when it comes to next week with signing day I agree, and they've already got a good class uh, peaking right now. Uh, Tyler Knack committing yesterday, and that was uh, the Knack Daddy make you say, Daddy no. Daddy Knack will make you jump, jump. I, no. Sorry. No, uh, but he he's already in the book for uh, for Mama Mora, so that's yeah. good to know. Yeah, Mama Mora's recruiting book is up to date. Uh, I do like Tyler Knack. Uh, I'm not the expert on offensive linemen on this podcast. That goes to uh, Brian. But I did watch his film as well, and I really enjoyed a couple of things. Um, his physicality was, was one that really stood out to me. Um, his follow-through on blocks, like he was like taking dudes 20 yards down the field and just shoving them into the turf. And I was like, I like that. Um, he was able to seal off the edge for a lot of the um, – a lot of the plays in his film, you see him seal off the edge really quickly and then proceed to throw the defensive player into the ground. Um, and he's able to open holes, which I think is really good considering the running back that Utah has coming in and Jalen Glover, because the bigger the holes that they can make for Jalen, the more yards he's going to get. Couldn't agree more. Uh, he's a little bit of a development prospect, but the goods are there for sure. And I think, uh, it'll be interesting to see where this class lands in terms of total overall star rankings and things of that nature because I think there are a few guys that need to get a bump. And uh, the the hope is, as always, that Utah starts getting some of those four-star commitments because you want to be over the 50% mark in four stars. Uh, and Utah is, is scrapping to get there. Yeah. Uh, like but I, also, at the end of the day, sometimes stars don't matter. No, no. Uh, for the individual players, it has nothing to do with it. For the overall team, yeah, the blue chip rating is is tried and true. There's never been a team that's won a championship uh, under the 50% mark. Cincinnati would be the first if they were able to do it. I think they're actually the first team under the 
blue chip rating uh, that's actually even made the playoff, but I could be wrong on that one. Um, that being said, it's just the hope is always is that Utah can wrap up this class and, and land as many of their top prospects as they want. We landed our top prospect a long time ago uh, when Sammy Moore committed to us. She's the best signing we've ever had. Uh, I wasn't going to commit anywhere else, bud. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Because we are the only Daily Utah podcast, so you know you took your one offer and ran with it. Good for you. Sammy, where can folks find you, and what do you have coming up? Um, you can find me on Twitter at S underscore Mora 99. Um, coming up, hot gymnastic season is approaching rapidly. So I'll be working on some stuff for Utah about gymnastics. Um, I'm working on a very fun piece about our favorite Pac-12 coach of the year, Kyle Whittingham. Um, I, I, I'll, I'll be prepping for stuff for the bowl game. Uh, it's kind of a, it's kind of a lull period right now. I like to, I like to think of it as the recharge and st- uh, session because for those of you who don't know, covering a football season for a publication is draining both um, like emotionally and physically. So just like the players need bye weeks, we need them too as reporters. And I am currently in my bye week. So yeah. And that's even more thanks to Sammy for joining us during her bye week. Um, but yeah, hey, I would I'll, I would join you even if I was on retirement, dude. <laughs> we we all need a break. There's no doubt about that. Um, thank you again, Sammy, for coming on uh, so much. We appreciate you. We love you. You're the best. Uh, I don't know that anybody on the podcast gets more positive feedback than Sammy. Um, the, the negative feedback, boy, is that fun. Um, but never come Sammy's way. It's usually either myself or, uh, you know, whatever, whatever else people have to say. Anyways, uh, I'm going to wrap this thing up because it's time for us to go track down more recruits. Thank you as always for listening, for following us. Uh, we know that you make locked on Utes your first listen every single day. It's time now to make locked on bets. Your second listen. It's your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked on bets hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It's free and available on all platforms, just like we are. This is the Locked on Utes podcast for December 8th, 2021. And we'll talk to you again tomorrow. Bye.